Welcome to Continuous Dream. Today's episode, Poet and Warrior, a historical drama, starring Jeff Breutman and Lindsay Summers, featuring Baird Brucher, Aaron Caswell, and Pete Blatchford. I knew them both. I was one of his oldest friends, and sometimes treated her as her doctor. I wanted both of them to be happy. They found happiness eventually. Late in life, it's true, but it's never too late to be happy. In 1916, on a hot summer's day, William Butler Yeats, Ireland's great poet, is in Normandy to see her, his great love, Maudgum. They are both just past fifty years old. They walk the beach, not so far from the shelling of battle, echoing their own battle, the old battle between them. He has come to recite a poem to her. She paces up and down, restless as always, always on the move. She is all action, all force. They called her Ireland's Helena Troy, but she was no passive object of fantasy. She was racing into battles like a mad spirit all her life, and even now she could not rest. I can see them. On that beach, her black veil flying in the wind. She is all in black, a widow, and he is there to find his happiness. I think something happened that day. His heart finally grew big enough for her. They're on the beach, and her eyes are up on the seagulls, Spinning over the dunes. The gulls. Do you remember the poem you wrote me about the gulls? Yes, and the white foam of the sea. Thirty years doesn't feel like such a long time. Not quite thirty years. Don't age me. Though these past few months feel like an eternity. They do. Thank you for sending me the newspapers. I didn't want to talk in front of the children. Did you read Shaw's editorial that they should be treated like prisoners of war? Not executed after sham trials. The English have shown themselves to the world now for what they are. We have to get the rest out of prison. I must get back to Ireland as soon as possible. Maud, you're already worn out. I'm strong as a horse. You're so thin. We have to make do with what would grow in the garden. But I'm nourished by my hatred. And what of you? What are you doing in response? I'm writing a poem. Yes. Yes, of course. That's wonderful. Something that will give heart to the people. A trumpet call. It's not exactly like that. Recite it for me. In a moment. We must talk. Yes. We must make our plan for what to do when we get back to Ireland. I don't mean that. No? What is it then? Stop pacing. All right. It's hard to be still. He's gone now. Yes. They say he refused a blindfold when they shot him. Strange. You're wearing black for him. A man who tore your life to shreds. He died a hero's death. God save Maud gone from all blustering heroes. I'm not wearing black for him. I'm wearing black for Ireland. Of course. I must get home. We must free those prisoners. Over a thousand. It's unconscionable. Sixteen men executed, 450 people killed. 
A hundred and seventy-nine buildings destroyed? Do you remember? I had that dream about it. The year before it happened. You were always a bit psychic. More than a bit. Oh, Willie, why didn't the people rise up? When they issued their proclamations, a man took one and only said, This will be worth a pound when they hang the poor bastards. I'm wild with hatred now. I'm here. I'm here, Maud. I'm so glad to see you. I'm glad we're finally alone. Away from the children and the dogs and the birds pecking at the fruit on the dinner table. The children must seem quite wild to you. Not at all. Sean is a fine young man. Did he get the books I sent? Yes, he liked them very much. Well, you'll be pleased to know. I confiscated Isult's cigarettes. Good, though I expect that won't last. You've done a marvellous job raising them. You are a fine mother. Thank you. Look, there's coal washed up on the beach from a wreck. We could use that. Let me. Oh, you don't want to get your hands dirty. It's no trouble. You work so hard. You should rest. Isolde is a great help. You've raised a strong young woman. The two of you nursing the wounded on the front, it's very impressive. I'm sure it must do the soldiers a world of good to see you. And the home you've made here is a beautiful respite. Josephine's cooking is the best I've had anywhere. Willie. What? What are you leading up to? Hmm? You're trying to flatter me. I just want to give credit where credit is due. There's something on your mind. Perhaps. Oh, I know what you're going to say. I can't believe it. Maud, before you decide... You haven't brought my passport. I wondered why you didn't give it to me right away. You have no passport for me to get home. The war office wouldn't issue one. Why not? I can't be stuck here in France. After the war, you... After the war! They do like to say that, don't they? Nothing will be done until after their wonderful war. Remember when people said the boys would be home by Christmas? But they don't want that. When they finish killing all the boys, they'll conscript the women. It's only that they're worried about spies. I can... I can get you as far as London. London. The heart of my enemy. But I could sneak home from there. Please, listen. Listen to yourself. Spies. That's ridiculous. They tried to make it seem as if the uprising was brought about with German support. No one believes that rubbish. The uprising was self-defense. I must go home. Now, not later. There's an election I must canvass for, and the prisoners must be taken care of. You've done enough. I've never done enough. You could be in prison now. I'm willing. Well, then I am glad you have no passport. Are you to betray me too? Betray you? Maud, how can you say that? I'm sorry. Of course you wouldn't betray me. I'm sorry, that was hurtful. I wish you had other things in your life than hating England and working like a demon. You'll have to hold me down to keep me from acting. Oh, Willie, hold me. Maud. I've never felt such hatred. Don't exhaust yourself. Don't let them exhaust you. You're right. Don't let them take away your health, your life. Yes, I won't let them defeat me. No. We must make our plan for what to do when we get back to Ireland. There's time for that. After the war... I don't want to hear that phrase again. All right. I can't seem to say the right things. It's not you. I could always talk to you. You're so good for me. I hope so. I want to be. 
For you and your family. The children do like you. Your son needs a father. At his school they read off the names of the war dead. The heroes. They read his father's name. He has a name to be proud of now. A hero? That drunken lout who attacked your sister and daughter? He didn't attack them exactly. Close enough. It was close enough when you were trying to divorce him. That's all in the past. Years before he came along, you and I shared a bond. You had that dream about us. That we were brother and sister in ancient Egypt. And we ran away together. Is that what you want? To run away? Take off that veil. I can't stand for you, even to appear to mourn him. Let me take off that veil. I suppose you still find me beautiful. Oh, yes. As beautiful as the day we met. When you carried those books home for me? Uh, no. You came to my father's house. My sisters were shocked you kept that cab waiting the whole time. We didn't have that kind of money. Ah, oh, but that wasn't when we met. I met you at John O'Leary's. He gave me a stack of books to read on Irish history, and you walked me home. That was later. No, it wasn't. I remember clearly. Your book was on the stack. I slipped it in there. Did you? Your poem made me cry. I don't remember you crying over it. I did later, when I finished it. Here I thought you were a shabby art student, and you were a young genius. A shabby art student? You thought that? Well, I knew you were poor. I'm still poor, even now, famous as I am. I have one necklace left to sell. These are hard times, but you never cared about getting on. No. My father taught me not to. Surely you remember coming to our house. Surely you remember coming to my apartment in London. You don't remember my monkey when it attacked you? That damn monkey. And how dark it was that winter night. The birds singing and how we whispered secrets to each other in the darkness. I knew right away you were someone I could talk to. I could tell you anything. You didn't tell me everything. It was 30 years ago. She's invited the shabby young poet to walk her home. On a winter's evening, the fires burned low and they sit very close in the dark that night. Down, dog, does it? That's quite a big dog. Don't worry, he only bites if you seem afraid. Only that? Thank you, Mr. Yates. You can set those on the table. It's so dark, shall I light a lamp? No, let's not. The glow of the hearth is so lovely. I'll stoke it then. Let me. A log would be nice. Coal isn't as romantic as a good crackling fire, is it? See our heavenly shadows in the moonlight. You have a way of charming animals, Miss Gorn. I often find them more intelligent than people. Is that a monkey? Yes. When I came back from Paris, I told everyone they must meet my new chaperone. And he was on my shoulder. My little chaperone. And does he bite? He hasn't needed to yet. Well, let's see what books O'Leary sent home with you. This is good. And this. Oh, fancy that. Here's mine. My first book. It was just published. The Wanderings of Oisin. That sounds very Celtic. 
It's about a hero who is beguiled by a fairy woman. Beguiled? She takes him to the islands of battle, of dancing, and of forgetfulness. Do you think a woman only holds a man back? She was a fairy woman. She was enchanting. Love we go to the island of forgetfulness. For lo, the islands of dancing and victories are empty of all power. And which then is the island of content? None knows, she said. And on my bosom laid her weeping head. No island of content. What a terrible beauty. Do you have an island of content? There is an island in Sligo Bay. You're from the West Country. I've ridden there. Yes. I would sleep overnight in the heather. Sleep? Under the blazing stars. Heather makes the softest bed. What becomes of our hero? He returns under the taboo that he must not touch the ground. When he does, his three hundred years fall on him at once. And he's old and broken. No, I don't like that. Don't you? But it must be wonderful to be able to find the words. It's hard work. I'm glad. I admire hard work. Perhaps you could look at my writing. I write for a newspaper in Paris. I'm sorry, I don't read French. Of course. Sometimes, perhaps, you can help me. I'd love to. I'm glad you write on Irish themes. Irish heroes. We need them. Do you suppose our heroes are sleeping now? And are just waiting to be awakened and unleashed? I'd like to buy a tower and bring them back. A castle of heroes. Yes, exactly. Bring them all back. Finn McCool. Fergus. Bridget. The real Bridget, not the saint. Cúhulin. Son of the sun god Lú. We'll conjure them back and they'll fight for Ireland's freedom. Let's unleash all of the old heroes. When Cúhulin stood at the ford and held back Maeve's army. And then the Morrigan flew over the battlefield, sipping blood and driving on the warriors. Fergus teaching his courage to Cúhulin. And when the spasm of rage came upon him, heads flew like flower petals in the wind. I'd like to start a library. A library? We're forming a committee to publish and distribute books, literature, history, the legends of the people we're describing. Surely what we need are weapons. To give a voice to the people. It matters a great deal. Yes, the, the people's voice. It could be like a trumpet call. What I believe is that we must preserve the Celtic culture and at the same time elevate the masses. As a lady of society, you could be a big influence. If you could speak, I believe you said you were free to travel. Yes, I've no father or brother. Or husband? I've travelled a great deal. I've been on a mission to Russia. The secret papers were sewn in my gown. You travelled all that way? Alone? How old were you? Eighteen. Eighteen. A child. I'm but twenty-two now. I'm twenty-three. So much older. But you could have been in such danger. It's all right, I carry a pistol. A pistol? Where did you get one? A friend gave it to me. A friend? Lucien. He's the editor of a French newspaper that I write for. You work for him? Lucien... Milvoy. Lucien Milvoy. Yes, he does a great deal to publicize the Irish cause. Still, it seems you are caught in danger with no one to protect you. Ow! The damn monkey bit me! I 
Beg your pardon? No. Bad chaperone. Bad. I'll get you a bandage. Oh, it's all right. I barely feel it. Nonsense. It looks very painful. Oh, not at all, really. Where were we? I think you were trying to save me from myself. Yes. You don't seem afraid of anything. When I was five years old, my mother died. I found my father weeping over her coffin and I ran from the room. My father ran after me and scooped me into his arms. He said, Lamkin, you must never be afraid of anything, not even death. And I knew I never would be. Your father sounds extraordinary. Yes. He was going to stand for Parliament on the platform of Home Rule for Ireland when he suddenly died of typhoid. I'm sorry. You're quite alone then. Yes. My friends mean a great deal. I count you as one now. Thank you. Nothing frightens you. Then you won't be afraid to make speeches and promote our library scheme. I'd be happy to. But I travel and live in Paris most of the time. I'm sorry to hear that. We'll write to each other. We'll write every week. Yes, I'd like that. I'll light the lamp now. <gasps> What's the matter? It's only the clock. I thought I saw someone. It was only a shadow. It frightened you. I'm all right. I must be falling asleep, starting to dream. It's late. My sisters will be worried. Unlike you, I live with what seems like a great crowd of people. Come dine with me while I'm in town. I'll put chaperone in the bedroom. You can read your poetry to me on these cold winter nights. I'd like that. Thank you. Good night. My dear Mr. Yates, I have sent the cheque for £10 to Count Plunkett, 26 Upper Fitzwilliam Street. £5 collected and £5 from myself. I have also written to Mr. Oldham. I hope library accounts will be kept separate from general accounts of the society. Who dreamed that beauty passes like a dream? For these red lips, with all their mournful pride, Mournful that no new wonder may betide. Troy passed away in one high funeral gleam, And Uzna's children died. Bow down, archangels, in your dim abode, Before you were, or any hearts to beat. He made the world to be a grassy road Before her wandering feet. If you have any articles, will you send them to me? If you care about the foreign press, I can speak of your work in a review which is very well known, published in Brussels, and for which I am asked to write some articles on Ireland. I read the criticism of your work in the United Ireland with great interest. Had I the heavens embroidered cloths and wrought with golden and silver light, the blue and the dim and the dark cloths of night and light, and the half-light, I would spread the cloths under your feet. But I, being poor, have only my dreams. I have spread my dreams under your feet. Tread softly, because you tread on my dreams. I'm sending you a copy of the Magazine International, which has been started by some young literary men who are friends of mine here. I think it is going to be a success. It has for its objects, as you will see, to make known foreign literature in France and to be a sort of international art centre. Red Rose, 
sad rose, proud rose of all my days. I had to write again to tell you. I dreamt about you last night. I dreamt we were brother and sister in ancient Egypt and we were sold into slavery. It was a wild dream. We were running away together. You were rescuing me from something, from a heavy sadness that comes to me from time to time. I'm coming to Ireland in a few days to give my first speech. Let's go to Hoth together afterward and walk along the sea. He told me about her one day while we were on vacation. We rambled on the cliffs of Hoth and lit fire balloons. They rose and floated like wistful stars in the air. How he raced over the hills, chasing those fires. He was always chasing fires and fiery dreams. She's written me the most extraordinary letter. It's easy to write letters. Well, it's not easy to write a poem. I write everything for her. And keep her at a distance. It's the distance that inspires you. She inspires me. Yes, from a distance. She won't be distant for long. She's coming here soon. Don't do anything rash. I'm going to ask her to marry me. Can I borrow three shillings for cab fare? She pays her share, but I can't have her pay mine, too. You don't have three shillings. How can you get married? I'll find a way. People are starting to talk about my poems. You and your friends all talk about each other's work. You've no shame about log rolling. No. Important people. Critics in real newspapers. Good. You deserve it. But you still don't have three shillings. And Maud Gunn is not the wife for you. Of course she is. She had a dream about me. That we were brother and sister in ancient Egypt. It's like I've known her for a thousand years. Keep it in ancient Egypt, then. She is not wife material. She's a dream. Yes, a dream. I don't care. But tell me what you think. I am telling you. I don't care. Let's run. Let's chase the balloons. I could run to Paris to be with her. Yates, I'm telling you. The first man of pure action she meets will have her at his mercy. Maud lived most of the time in Paris, and he would never have guessed at what her life was there. It's too vexing. The money has been stolen by a spy. It was a stupid plot. Sinking an English naval vessel. What nonsense you get involved with. I see that officer watching our apartment again. He's been following me. I must send him some tea cakes. Revolutionary Brotherhood is full of spies. I'm resigning. I'm better off working on my own. The Irish are only farceurs. What do you mean, farceurs? The way you go about your cause, no one can take you seriously. We are taken seriously. No. My dear little Irlandaise, you are not. What's well, fine when you want to use me for your cause, Lucian. Use you? I have given you columns and columns in my newspaper. You wouldn't have that newspaper without me. You would still be paralyzed with depression at your failures. Nonsense. Now, listen. There is someone I want you to meet. Who? A powerful man who would enjoy your company. Do you need me to write a speech for him? Uh, no. I want you to be nice to him. He is coming here in a little while. I don't understand you. I'm not dressed. 
You don't need to be dressed. I will be going out. Lucien, what do you mean? It's easy, no? It is how a woman shows her power. You long for power, no? I need to influence him. You want to be useful, don't you? He'll be here in an hour. Why don't you let down your hair? Let it fall across your breast. Undo some of your buttons. Here. Your beauty should not go to waste. What are you doing? I'm going to Dublin. Malt. Charlie. I'm going to where people understand me. Where there's a man who understands me. No one understands you. You are an enigma. You want power. That is never what I wanted. I've done you every favor and now you won't return one for me? Get out of my apartment. Get out. Let me know what you want when you decide. If you ever know your own mind. Get out. Hear the gulls? How I love them. Will you write me a poem about the seagulls? Yes. And the white foam of the sea. The wind is going to blow us away. Come! I'm glad to be home. So am I. I'm giving my first speech tomorrow. I can't wait. A crowd will love you. Will it be a big crowd? Are you afraid? Not really. As long as I rest first. You seem tired. I've been depressed. I'm sorry. Has something happened? No, nothing important. You aren't happy in Paris. My friends are here. My true friends. Maud, I got your letter. It might have been foolish. No, not at all. About your dream. It was because you've been telling me about your spiritual life. What is the name of your committee? It's not a committee. I have committees on the brain. <laughs> We're a secret organization. The Order of the Golden Dawn. Ah, yes. I was inspired by you to do symbol work. I do need spiritual guidance. That was why I, I dreamt of ancient Egypt. We were together. Yes. Will you marry me? Willie. I know I'm poor. I wasn't expecting... This is sudden. I, I didn't mean to blurt it out. I'm very touched. I love you. I love your poetry. I... I do love you, Willie. My dream was that we were brother and sister. Together. Brother and sister. I see. I don't want to hurt you. I, I was probably foolish. It seems like we have such a bond. We do. Your friendship means so much. So much more than you think. Men make friends easily so you don't understand how much it means. We'll still be friends, then? Nothing will change that. Not ever. Is there someone... No. I don't intend ever to marry. You shouldn't marry either. It's not right for either one of us. No? I'll tell you a secret. When I was a child, I made a prayer to the devil. I told him I would sell my soul if I could always be free. You aren't afraid even of the devil. Apparently not. But I remember, at your apartment in London... Something did frighten you. You wouldn't tell me. Sometimes I think I see someone. A woman all in grey. She's the only thing that frightens me. 
She comes to me when I'm tired, and I've been so tired. I can give you rest. I can give you peace. Sometimes I can tell you're depressed. And I feel there's some burden. Something I could help you with. I have an idea. I want to participate in your spirit work. You could guide me in that. Would it help you? Yes. We could participate together. Priest and priestess. Let's have a spiritual marriage. Something on a higher level than the, the common sort. Let's make a vow right here. A spiritual vow to seal our bond. I, William, pledge to you, Maud. In the name of Bridget, under the eye of the sun god Lu. To be your friend, always. And I, Maud, pledge to you, William, that I will always be your friend. With love and tenderness. With love and tenderness. Telling each other everything. Everything. I'm so nervous. You can do it. Be yourself. They'll love you. You'll be right here. Yes. Thank you for asking me to speak to you today on this glorious campaign. I was only a society girl and my life was carefree. But as I rode in the countryside, I saw the hundreds of evicted tenants walking the roads to workhouses or to the port to sail to America. I saw the families torn apart, barefoot children sent to the workhouse. I saw the battering rams knocking down their little houses and spreading their treasures in the mud. When I was visiting a lord's house for a hunt ball, I saw his tenants turned out. A new mother collapsing in a ditch with her day-old babe. The lord's hunt had been spoilt by the land leaguers, and he said, he said, let her die, it will teach them a lesson. It's all right. You are wonderful. They want more. Ireland must be for the Irish. Ourselves alone. Our famine queen will not celebrate her jubilee here in Dublin. The British Empire is a coffin, and we will throw it in the Liffey. When I was on the train, I sensed in the air outside a queen. Not old Vic, but the queen of Ireland. She was passing by, and her feet were resting on the little stones as she passed. I felt I was one of those little stones she rested on. I am a servant of that queen. I went to decorate the graves of those who gave their lives in 1798. But the queen's jubilee preparations kept me back. Shall our graves go undecorated so the queen can have her jubilee? Come inside. What's happening? There's a riot in the street. We must go out and speak to them. Bar the door. Don't let Miss Gone into the street. You must let me out. We must speak to the crowd. No, you will not go out. I am not afraid. I'll go out then. Stay here. I would not ask anyone to do something I wouldn't do myself. Open the door. Don't unbar the door. We're staying inside. I am not a coward. I'm trying to protect you. I don't need protection from the people. You're running yourself ragged, ruining your health. You can barely breathe. 
I must go out. I'm going to stay with you until the danger has passed. If you won't take care of yourself, I will. <coughs> Maud, you aren't well. Let Dr. Syverson attend to you. I'll send him to you. Perhaps if I were an invalid, you could live out your desire to take care of me. I would never presume. The people expect me to lead them. Not cower behind a door. Let me out. Don't be a fool. There's no lead in a riot. I'm going to defend you whether you like it or not. As for the people, you don't belong to them. How tired I am sometimes of your exhortations about the people. They're who we're struggling for. They're who we speak for. You didn't defend me to O'Leary. Did you agree with him when he said I shouldn't attack the landlords? You didn't defend me at our library meeting when Taylor attacked me. Oh, he didn't attack you. It was a petty committee squabble. You get so caught up in trifles. You voted against me. It was nothing. The day we were at Hoth, there was an election I was supposed to canvass for. Our man lost by five votes. I could have made a difference instead of playing on the cliffs. Playing on the cliffs. Our union. We have important work to do. Let me outside. You won't be a hero going out in the middle of a riot. You're not a hero forcing me inside. Open it. You don't know your own good. You've made me do the only cowardly thing I've ever done. I'll find my own way home. If you'll open the door now. How do you do, Lady Gregory? It's nice to see you again. How do you do, Mr. Yates? How was your mother? She had another stroke. She sits in black and feeds the birds on the windowsill. Have you seen Dr. Sigerson? I wanted to ask him about a friend he's looking after. I haven't seen him. I'm sorry about your mother. Perhaps she's happier. It's been a difficult life for her. I understand your father never finishes a painting. Yes, he does live on magic and loans. But he raised me to feel contempt for striving after money, for merely getting on like common people. But you do need to live. Quite. One needs to afford some things at times. I have friends who run off to Paris and I can't afford to join them. Come with me to Cool Park. I collect folk tales. You'll find it very interesting. I travel the countryside and record our Celtic legends. You should join me. Certainly. Thank you. It will give me something to put in my letters. To Paris? There's something I'd like to discuss with you. I'm a great fan of your work, and I'd like to offer you a room in my home in the summers. Cool Park isn't grand, but it's a comfortable estate. That's very kind of you. It's apart from the crowd. I imagine the crowd must press in on you when you're poor in a garret. Yes. I think you are not of the same class as some of your neighbors. I think you'll find you belong at Cool Park. Thank you. My friend would do away with the landlords, but then what is the use of building the sparrow's nest and scattering the eagles? Quite. Good evening, madam. And Yates, how are you? Sigerson, I'm glad to see you. You know Lady Gregory. It's charming to see you again. The pleasure is mine. I think Mr. Yates wanted to speak with you. Good evening. How is she? 
She's very ill. But I couldn't stop her. She had some men carry her onto the train to go back to Paris. She's impossible. Let her go. She needs to be taken care of. Not by you. Speaking of which, the most appalling old woman was attending her. Some old woman all in grey. Does she know anything? Know anything? She's spreading the most appalling rumours all over Dublin. Rumours about not having lovers, rumours about you. That there was an illegal operation and you were there. That's insufferable. Let her go, Willie. We parted badly. We had a terrible argument. I want to make it up to her. So you'll write some more poems and be friends again. I need to find that old woman. I can't talk sense into you at all. You're worse than my patience. You need to do new things. You get involved in a new life. Lady Gregory invited me to Cool Park. I can spend the summers on folklore. Perfect. I'm going far in my spiritualism. I have a seance tomorrow. I'll hold my tongue on that. And I'm thinking of getting involved in theatre. Even better. I want Maud to star in one of my plays. I think she already does. Yates followed the dream world. He followed spirits. He attended a seance where his body was taken over by ghosts that slammed his head into the table. This kept him away from seances afterward, but not away from spiritual leaders and advisors. He believed in spells and the power of the Shia, the fairy folk. He thought they had answers to the questions that burned in his soul. I see a temple in ancient Egypt. Yes, we were there. The spirits are troubled. Do you see a woman in grey? Yes, an evil omen. This is too much for you. Be gone. Mr. Yeats. Uh, where am I? It's all right. You fainted. Uh, I wanted to know about my friend. Does your friend have a child? No. But I saw clearly a child. She is in mourning. Could it be a spirit child? Someone from the past? I don't think so. But who can say? I sense your friend needs you. She is coming back soon. Can I bring her here? Yes, she will want to come. She needs us. Darling, what's happened? Everyone thinks I'm in mourning for Parnell. I arrived on the same boat as his coffin. They think I'm being dramatic. Like I'm play-acting. Willie. My son. Your son? I had adopted a baby in Paris. When I was travelling, he got sick. Meningitis. I'm so sorry. I called doctor after doctor. But a bird kept pecking at the window. I knew it meant death. Maud, my dearest. I can't sleep. I use chloroform every night. There's someone I want you to see. A spiritual guide. I'll see anyone. I'm so lost. I'm so lost, Willie. <gasps> Some think when there is air in the gas lines, they are seeing ghosts. They are such flapdoodles. Take no mind of it, Miss Gunn. How can I help you? 
You're a famous spiritual guide. This I know. You are also famous. Ireland's Joan of Arc, a woman of her people. But we have private lives, yes? Yes, exactly. Do you hold private seances? Seances are a tricky business. People who hold seances are usually held up as frauds. Willie goes to seances. Mr. Yates, I mean. He's very spiritual. Yes, he is a good friend. He has an open mind. Yes, yes he does. An open mind matters a great deal. Especially when one is from Ireland. You are Catholic. No, of course not. No, but you believe in the spirits. Yes. Can you contact spirits? There is a spirit realm all around us. What I don't do is take advantage of the desperate. Why don't we talk? What is weighing on you? In France, I, I had a, a little boy. I adopted him. His name was Georges. Georges. I have a picture. An angel. How old was he? A little over a year, I thought. I was raised with nannies myself, so I thought nothing of leaving him. He contracted meningitis. I'm very sorry. I was away when the letter came. I hurried back to France and I brought doctor after doctor. A bird was pecking at the window. Doctor after doctor. But the bird stayed pecking at the window. So painful. You've come here to contact him. Now I see it's madness. No, you are mad with grief. You cannot sleep at night. You lie awake. What are you asking yourself? Don't ask me. A man would blame the doctors. A man would blame the randomness of disease. But you do not blame others. What could I have done? You blame yourself. Yes. You lie awake with the guilt many people would not. How can I see him again? We live life after life. There is no real death. No death. You believe in reincarnation? Of course. We live many lives. Can a child be reincarnated to the same parents? I believe in such possibilities, but I think that is not the point. It helps me to think so. You are desperate. I want to help you. It was my fault. But why do you think so? That's the point. I left him. You have important work to do. The people depend upon you. I chose the people over my boy. Miss Gorn, we are both women in a men's world. And we are both leaders. I am a leader of my religion. And you are a leader of the Irish cause. I never meant to, to... I shouldn't have... You question your life, your choices, but you must live your life. But I... I chose. You understand now why you feel this guilt. But I hope after you have rested you will go on and find strength in your work. And someday you will have children of your own. I don't know. Perhaps with Mr. Yates? No. I don't know. The truth is, the thought of physical love is abhorrent to me. But you fear nothing. It isn't fear, it's a kind of dread. You are young. You will find your way to it. No, I know how I feel. He's so good to talk to. He makes no demands of me. There's no one who gives me the peace he does. He loves you. I love him too. But you love freedom. When I was a child, I summoned the devil and made a pact that I would sell my soul for my freedom. Then I inherited the money to enable it. It was a silly, childish thing. But sometimes I'm frightened. Perhaps it is real. You have sacrificed enough without worrying about your soul. You must work. It is your purpose. Don't deny your passion. I'm so afraid that I'll never be able to work again. 
I want to find the strength to speak and write again. You don't need my permission. Or Mr. Yates. You need only to live your life as you were meant to. Thank you. How can I repay you? There is no need. But if you could put in a word for me now and then, that I am no fraud. Of course. Thank you. I must go back to Paris soon. I don't know what I'll tell Willie. He will understand. And you do believe in reincarnation? There is life after life. Please live yours. How are you? Have you slept? I was able to sleep without chloroform last night. I'm glad. I have something for you. A locket for his picture. Thank you. I cast his horoscope. It wasn't your fault. He was going to have a short life, but full of love. Maud? I'm sorry, it's, it's so hard to speak. I know. Your friend helped me a great deal. Yes? We talked about reincarnation. Reincarnation? What do you mean? Oh, just the idea that one can come back. Never mind, my thoughts are a jumble. You're tired. I'm getting better. When you were so ill before, a mad old woman was watching over you. Yes, she literally wandered in off the street. She spread the most appalling rumours. I won't distress you telling you. One night... When I was in bed, I woke to see her leaning over me. I asked what was happening. She said, the doctor says you will die soon and I wanted to watch your soul leave your body. How frightful. It was. I'd like to visit you in Paris. Yes, I'd like that. Meet your friends. That newspaper man. Your other friends. My real friends are here. I'm glad. My friends give me the strength to work. I have a speech tomorrow. Shouldn't you rest a while? I'm afraid to rest, because perhaps I'll never get back up. Well, then you must work. Make your speech. Set the sky ablaze with your rebellious heart. Sometimes I don't know where it comes from. Before a crowd, I feel their energy, and it's like a fire in my chest. I wish you would take the time to rest. But when I see you before a mass of people, and the hope that lights their faces, when you speak... The fact is, I'm proud, proud to know you. Thank you. For you to say that means so much. It's true. I should work on my speech. You'll be there? Of course. We lay this foundation stone to the Wolf Tone Monument so that our children will remember and keep on with the fight for independence. And now England wants you to fight in South Africa against the Boers. We must oppose recruitment in Ireland. Our boys should not be fighting their dirty war. Today, I have with me a hero of that war. Captain John McBride raised an Irish brigade against the English. He faced down English gun and English cannon far from home for the glory of our people. Thank you. I'm not one much for words. They don't come easy, but I know when action must be taken. We fought the English in Africa, and you'd be proud of our boys there. Some were taken prisoner, 
It was a hard business. Hot and hungry they'd been, and sick with disease. But they were willing to give their all, and so was I. If I had any words to give, it would be to honour our boys, and all the Irish lads who take action for Ireland's cause. Miss Gaughan here has the right words for you. All I can say is, God bless the people of Ireland. I was raised a good Irishman and a good Catholic, and I know duty is everything in life. I'm no hero. I only did my duty. And today, I have a gift from the people to present to Miss Gaughan. This bullet and a coin found among the graves of those French heroes who fought for us in 1798. Thank you, Captain McBride. Thank you. God bless you all. While Maud carried out her work for Irish independence, Yeats spent time writing with Lady Gregory at Cool Park. He became interested in theatre, and they wrote plays. Plays for Ireland. This is wonderful. Our best work yet. I don't want the credit of it. It's all yours. See what I wrote this morning for her speech. Read it aloud. It is a hard service they take that help me. Many that are red-cheeked now will be pale-cheeked. Many that have been free to walk the hills and the bogs and the rushes will be sent to walk hard streets in far countries. It's wonderful. But what will Miss Horniman think? She will have to agree to it. We've never done such a political play. It's a battle cry. So many of our backers oppose independence. If they won't back this, then we shouldn't take their money. To the devil with them. But the money... Theatre is damned expensive, I know. I look at the books every day. It wears me out. But we'll manage. It is a beautiful play. Florence Farr will be wonderful. Florence Farr? As Kathleen. No. Maud is going to play Kathleen. Maud gone? joking. She has theatrical training. She's given enough speeches. But she's a revolutionary. And in this part, it would be like shooting a volley over Dublin Castle. She will be a sensation. No one else can play this part. She would be striking. But as for Miss Horniman, she'll be shocked. And I think she will be jealous. I'm tired of flirting with her for money. She sees me as all romance. Aren't you? Dear madam, you flatter me. At any rate, Miss Horniman will have to accept our play and our cast. I won't argue the point. I didn't mean to argue, William. I didn't mean with you. I mean with her. I would never argue with you, Lady Gregory. You do know you can call me Augusta. Uh, no, I prefer Lady Gregory. You are too odd by me. It's not as if I'm much older than you are. Oh, of course not. It's just that I respect class. Yes, but we have grown so close. I do appreciate your letting me stay here. I think your son doesn't like my taking the master bedroom and playing Lord of the Manor. I can't imagine summers at Cool Park without you. I had to take you away from the noisy crowd. Yes. Maud says she loves the crowd, the people. She would. But it's our theatre, and she's never been a supporter of it. She thinks it takes me away from poetry. 
She thinks it takes you further from her politics. It was strange. I met her once. I expected to see the most beautiful woman in the world. Instead, I felt I had looked upon a death's head. She might have been ill. She has such weak lungs. When I last saw her, she had trouble simply climbing the stairs. I can't imagine a woman of her will having any trouble. She can be weak and vulnerable. When she is tired and stressed, she needs someone to lean on. She seems strong as a horse. You spoke with her. It wasn't a chance meeting. I went to her apartment in Dublin. It was long ago. I had no idea. Why didn't you tell me? I went to ask her if she'd intended to marry you. You needn't be concerned. What did she say? That you both had more important things to do than to think about marriage. She would say that. Tell me, William. After all these years, do you honestly believe that someday she will marry you? I've been too busy to think about it now. But if she ever were, it's this play that will convince her. It will prove to her that I'm a man of the people. You've done more than enough to prove yourself. If anything, you've been far too political. If she were to marry you, she would have to give up politics. That would have to be the condition. To marry you, first you would have to convince her to give it all up. It has been like my rival. She has a husband. Ireland is her husband. When I saw her, she was wearing a brooch made out of a bullet. But I'm the one she needs, that she depends on, that she confides in. I'm the one person she can tell anything to. Did she tell you I had gone to see her? No. Then she doesn't tell you everything, does she? I have such plans. Yes, you always do. That horrible queen old Vic is coming to Dublin and she's ordered the children to parade for her. So, my committee is proposing to announce that any child who won't march for old Vic will be given a parade another day. We are calling it the children's treat. We're going to make thousands of sandwiches and cakes. It will be a festival the children will never forget. You'll be a queen to those children. And that put me in mind that so many children have nothing to eat all day at school. We're starting a school lunch program. The women and I are going to feed those hungry children that the English starve until we can pass a bill through the government to feed them. We've signed up so many volunteers. It's all underway. It's so good to have this work to do. You won't exhaust yourself. I need it. I've been depressed. But it's no matter. What saddens you? You've been seeing that lady in grey? No, she's... Gone when I work. I must work. Our spiritual work brings you peace. Yes. I haven't had much time, but I try. I brought my spirit notebook. I had a vision of you last night. Shall I read it to you? Certainly. I was lying on my couch at 11 o'clock when the curtains parted. There was a scent of apple blossoms. Maud came in and stood beside me. She leaned over and kissed me on the lips. What do you suppose it means? Did you have a vision too? I did have a vision. Last night I came to you in a dream. My hand was put into yours and I was told we were married. Then we went away together to do some work. Did you kiss me? Yes. Maud, dearest. I can't. We can. We aren't children. I can't. I, I dread it. 
I have a dread of it. How do you know? I know. You don't know. You must give it a try. I won't hurt you. I confess. I've had a lover. She taught me. I won't hurt you. I can't. To lose control like that, I can't stand it. But you don't know. How long can you sacrifice your needs? Do you remember it, Howth? We made a spiritual marriage. Yes, of course I remember. Dearest, we were young. It meant a great deal, that bond. Certainly. You would never despise me. Of course not. Why would I despise you? If we were to be joined, physically. Dearest, I wouldn't despise you. But you must believe I have a horror and terror of physical love. But you don't know. Willie, I know. I know. You know? Yes. <sighs> Is he any one of my acquaintance? Lucien. I see. I thought he was married. He is. How long? This is something recent? Since I was 19. Since before we ever met. You knew him. You already knew him. You were already complete. Yes. Here I thought I could offer you my experience. How foolish I was. Please don't be hurt. Hurt? I wanted to tell you. I was afraid you would hate me. Do you love him? He and I were allies in our causes. Please don't talk of it in terms of the cause. All right. Do you love him? Our cause was our passion. How is newspaper editing more passionate than poetry? He is a passionate editorialiser? His words are more passionate than mine? As a newspaper editor, he was a man of the people. The people? Was it him or was it the people who you were fecking? Willie! Willie! I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm trying to understand. I wanted you to understand. I want to understand. I was so afraid of hurting you. I didn't expect you to be angry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. It's a lot to take in. I want you to be able to tell me. I've been terrified to tell you because I was afraid you'd despise me. No, I couldn't despise you. Tell me everything. I'll listen. I won't be upset. Tell me everything. But you aren't still with him. No, it's over. He calls the Irish farceurs and denigrates us now. Not exactly an ally. And he asked me to become the mistress of another man, someone he wanted to influence. That's disgusting. Yes. What did you see in him? It was romantic at first, working together. He impressed me. Is that all? I wanted to tell you. Georges, our little boy, he... He wasn't adopted. He was my son. Your son? I brought doctor after... Doctor. I'm sorry. I'm so sorry. You helped me so much. I'm glad. So it's all over with him? Yes, but there is one thing that keeps him in my life. How can that be? He is a rogue. Lower than that. The lowest, the lowest sort of animal. He used you. 
You couldn't love him, not him. We have a little girl. You noticed when you visited I had trouble taking the stairs. I wasn't ill. I was with child. Her name is Isolde. She's in a convent now. Why did you have another child with him? I don't understand. Despite your horror and terror of physical love? I would only do it to have a child. Your friend said a child could be reincarnated. She was conceived in George's tomb. You were mad with grief. You were mad. I suppose I was. Is that everything now? Yes. Oh, Willie, I'm so tired. It is tiring, keeping a double life. It wasn't a double life, just my life. I was so afraid you'd feel that way. I don't know what to feel. I can't tell you how I feel. I need your understanding so much. You're so sensitive and kind. Must I be? Is that everything? Yes. It's been awful to keep everything a secret from you. You don't despise me. No. No, darling. It's all in the open now. And I had a lover. So, no, I wouldn't judge you. Her name was Olivia, but we had a fight over my letters to you. I'm sorry. Now we're in the open. It's all right. Come, let me hold you. Don't you see? We can marry now, now that we know each other's secrets. Now we are truly bonded to each other. Our bond, yes. It's important, but Willie... I can be a father to Isult. Wouldn't you want that? It's not necessary. I'm raising her as my niece. Well, you have it all worked out then. You don't need me. I do need you. I'm so grateful. It's a relief to tell you. I knew you'd understand. Understand. But we could marry. I thought we were married. Our spiritual marriage. I thought that meant that we were pledged. Yes, a spiritual marriage. A higher bond. A union of the soul. Well, what does that mean to you? It means so much. Everything. Everything. Shall I go now? Please stay. I have something for you. A notebook. It's bound in calfskin. For our symbol work. Thank you. It's beautiful. You mean the world to me, Willie. I could always talk to you. Could you? Yes. We'll start fresh then. Yes, a fresh start. I'd like that. We have a spiritual bond. Let's renew our pledge. And you've always been guided by me on these matters. You'll come back to our meetings of the Golden Dawn. We've risen together, priest and priestess, on the shores of mysticism. You will come back to our rituals. I will. Our ritual and symbol work are times when I feel you're closest to me. You once said that our... Pagan rituals are like the true original religion of Ireland. I can show you, if you'll be guided by me, as before, and come to our meetings. I do feel so close to you then. We had a spiritual union. Let's renew our pledge. You do remember. In the eye of the sun god Lu. Before the spear of Cahulan. We are pledged to each other. We are pledged. 
A higher bond. A higher bond. Thank you. I have to leave soon. I'm going to America. When? Why? Now? As soon as I can. Captain McBride is there and he's not a natural speaker. He needs my help. I'll write to you. I'm writing a play for you. I'll read it on the train. It's a gift for you. You've given me so much. You've given me a pure friendship. You don't know what it means to me. It means everything. <laughs> America does stretch on and on, doesn't it? This speech is so general. Can't you talk about a particular battle or, or the conditions of the prisoners? The English concentration camps were an important business. But I don't want to disgust my audience. Americans love a vivid picture. Even a lurid one. Especially a lurid one. Talk about the heat and the hunger. We want to know what you suffered. I'll take another look at it. Why did you cut that part about being a good Catholic? Oh, they don't like Catholics in America. Don't they now? But we must change their minds. Sometimes I find it's a good thing to tailor one speech for the audience. You aren't ashamed of our religion. I'm not Catholic. Oh, that's right. You're high class. But I do respect the people. It is the religion of the people. You can't really understand them if you don't know the church. Do you think so? I've been involved in spiritual matters, pagan activities. Pagan, no. It's supposed to be a secret. We do rituals. But, to be honest, I find the group a tedious, bourgeois sort. It embarrasses me to see their street clothes peeking out from beneath their robes. But do you know the passion? The passion? I don't know. The church is all about the passion. Is it now? I think you need some faith. Here. This chain. This is St. Bridget. She'll protect you. Let me put it around your neck. Thank you. That's quite a brooch. Is it made from a bullet? Yes, it's the bullet and coin you gave me at the Wolftone Monument. I had it made into a brooch. Damn striking. Is this a play? Yes, Mr. Yates is writing it for me. I'm to play Kathleen Nihulahan, the spirit of Ireland. May I hear some of it? It's 1798. She just convinced a young man to leave his bride and fight with the French for Ireland. It is a hard service they take that help me. Many that are red-cheeked now will be pale-cheeked. Many that have been free to walk the hills and the bogs and the rushes will be sent to walk hard streets in far countries. Many a good plan will be broken. Many that have gathered money will not stay to spend it. Many a child will be born and there will be no father at its christening to give it a name. They that had red cheeks will have pale cheeks for my sake, and for all that they will think, they are well paid. What did you think? It's wonderful, isn't it? I ask myself if such plays should be produced, unless one was prepared for people to go out and shoot and be shot. We're ready for you, Mr. Yates. Everyone is looking forward to your speech. Thank you. This telegram just came for you. From Madame McBride. Who the devil is Madame McBride? Oh, haven't you heard? Maud Gunn married that war hero, John McBride. 
still think about it and wonder about that day in 1916 after the uprising when he went to her seeking happiness at last. That summer's day on the beach. What happened after all they'd been through? All they'd suffered? What happened that day? Let me hear your poem. I'll recite you a love poem. The silver apples of the moon. The golden apples of the sun. Not that. I want to hear your poem about the uprising. Something to give me heart. Do you know it? I know parts of it. Please, let's hear it. I have met them at close of day, coming with vivid faces from counter or desk among grey 18th century houses. There's Connolly, gun at his shoulders. I have passed with a nod of the head or polite meaningless words or have lingered a while and said polite meaningless words. Being certain that they and I but lived where motley is worn, all changed, changed utterly. A terrible beauty is born. That woman's days were spent in ignorant goodwill, her nights in argument until her voice grew shrill. Connie Markowitz, her voice like a gull's cry. This man had kept a school and rode our winged horse. This other, his helper and friend, was coming into his force. I see Purse and McDonough. And where's McBride? The other man I had dreamed, a drunken, vainglorious lout. He had done most bitter wrong to some who are near my heart. There's McBride. Yet I number him in my song. He too has resigned his part in the casual comedy. He too has been changed in his turn, transformed utterly. A terrible beauty is born. He was coming from a wedding, not knowing the revolution had begun, but he took his part, ducked into a bakery and secured it, there raising the Irish flag over the post office. Hold, it must hold. Too long a sacrifice can make a stone of the heart. My heart is not a stone. Oh, when may it suffice? That is heaven's part. Was it needless death after all? For England may keep faith for all that is done and said. The English are shelling Dublin from the harbour. It is war. The centre of the city is on fire. Hold, hold, it must hold. We know their dream. Enough to know they dreamed and are dead. And what if excess of love bewildered them till they died? Sham trials. They've shot Connie's husband. They've shot Connolly, tied to his chair. They've shot McBride without a blindfold. I write it out in verse. McDonough and McBride and Connolly and Pierce. Now and in time to be, wherever green is worn, are changed, changed utterly. A terrible beauty is born. It isn't good enough. God, your blood is cold and thin. Your poem is a requiem when it should be a trumpet call. I've written plenty of patriotic poetry. 
You who won't have your books bound in green because it's too political. How do I know it wasn't some lines of mine that sent those men to their deaths? And so you should honour their sacrifice. I did. I wrote of them as they were. Real men. They are transformed now. I said that. Changed. Changed utterly. But you don't say what they've become. True heroes. True martyrs for the cause. You don't understand. I don't think you understand. I don't want to argue about it. That's not what I've come for. I thought you'd come to bring me my passport. I could get you as far as London. I would sneak home in disguise. It's too dangerous. You could be in prison right now with Connie and the others. Connie wept in the courtroom because she wasn't sentenced to be shot with her husband. Should I turn my back on her? Independence will happen. And it will happen without your risk in prison and sacrificing your life for it. This is the only reason it will happen. I don't want to argue about it. That's not why I've come. Why have you come then? All you've brought me is a bad poem and no passport. Maud, you're free now. It's a terrible reason you are, I know. But you're free of him. I've bought property. The castle of heroes that we talked about. And fee simple, Maud. Fee simple. The castle of heroes. It's a tower. Good and square. Where the little people seem as real as the stout stones. You can hear the horses clattering over the bridge. While we have good years left. Let's live. Finally live your life. Marry me, Maud. So soon? Soon? Thirty years, Maud. Thirty years. Shall I wear white or get married in my widow's weeds? Wear what you like. It's time for us. And how are we to finish our days? To retire now? We have to honour those men. Fight to the end. With your lungs, how long could you survive in prison? I'm trying to protect you. I don't need protecting. I must serve the cause of justice. You can't be caught up in these abstract notions of justice. Abstract? Sixteen men executed. Abstract? Our friends. When Connolly couldn't stand up, they tied him to his chair to shoot him. Abstract. The father of my child. Nothing is abstract about this. I want to say something to you. You've prepared remarks. It's a new century now. I'm holding my hand out to you. I'm trying to pull you out of a well of conspiracy and careless violence. A new century. Nothing's changed when a king still sits on a throne. Where you have stiff, inflexible ideas. I have art and dreams and mutability. Some things are immutable. No, that is the old century. I offer you the new world. From certainty to uncertainty. From moralism to ambiguity. From idealism to ambivalence. That does not sound like a promise of happiness. It is the only chance for happiness. In ambiguity and ambivalence. They are the luxury of the artist. They are a necessity. It is a new century. The Great War is the end of the last one. So is the rebellion of this Easter. 
The time of conspiracy is past. The time of giving over your life is past. Take hold of your life now. Take hold of my hand. I only know I want to go home, where I'm needed. I've accomplished some things. Wages for workers at Donegal, prison relief, meals for school children. You act as if I've done nothing. You've done a great deal. You've done everything. Given up your life. Isn't it enough? Will it ever be enough? Let me take you to London. You can study art. Be part of the literary journal. Help me with the theatre. I don't like that theatre. Pulls you away from poetry. We had a grand time with it once. You set the place on fire when you played Kathleen. Yes. Perhaps you will write another grand play. Something to hearten the people. They need your words. The people. The people. The people who threw you off the very committee you founded because they sided with McBride? They turned their back on you. They deserted you. What did you owe them? You owe them nothing. You know I belong to them. You belong to me. Willie. The people don't love you. They give me strength. I give you strength. Yes, you have. But they need me. There's an election coming soon. I have to be there for it. Lady Gregory was right. What? Nothing. You've discussed this with her. You discuss everything with her. To a point. And what did she say? Tell me. She said to make it a condition that to marry me, you must give up politics. That is her condition? It's mine, too. Then there's nothing more to say? Yes, there is. Because you must know. Giving up politics is your only chance to be allowed back into Ireland. I can't breathe. Say yes to me, Maud. That's all you have to do. We have martyrs now, heroes. The cause is only just beginning. It's over. Your place is with me. You have no place in this wild revolution. You wanted me to write a poem for him? For him? The man who attacked your sister? Terrorised your daughter? You'll want my words to make a hero of him. Don't. You're bringing him back to life, giving life to his sins. You want the monsters to be immortal. That is a repulsive goal. It's not worthy. It is his martyrdom that is immortal. The man is dead. His death is his redemption, as it should be. You make a hero of him. The English did that. You're alive. We're alive and he's dead. The dead accuse us if we do nothing. The future will be decided by men in suits on committees. Not by your frantic activities. Not by giving up your life. Let me make a home for you. Let me set you free. Let me set you free, Maud. Perhaps. There's no place for me. McBride has been reborn. But my country and I are... Utterly defeated. I might as well marry you. You're starting to understand. You're listening at last. I'm finished. I'm utterly broken. I've no place to go. He's risen from the ashes, and my heart's home, and I are burnt together in the ashes. Maud. I'm done for. See the gulls. How free they are. All the years I've known you. All I've wanted was to free you from your turmoil, 
to bring you peace. Let me bring peace to your life. I've had moments of peace. Fleeting. Something has always pursued me. The desire to act. A friend once told me that the first man of pure action you'd meet would have you at his mercy. I suppose that was McBride. I thought he would be strong for me when I was tired. Wasn't I strong for you? Yes. I could be myself with you. I could always be myself with you. That's a strange thing to say when you hid so much. I never felt I hid from you. Just the opposite. It was only with you that I felt I could unburden myself. So it's now. It's our time now. Do you remember the letter you wrote me when I married him? Yes. I was composing it in my mind while I was giving a talk. I'd just gotten your telegram. Was it terrible to get that telegram? You didn't sound hurt in your letter. I was beside myself. This telegram just came for you. From Madame McBride? Who the devil is Madame McBride? Oh, you haven't heard? Maud Gunn married that war hero, John McBride? And she's converted to the church? Tonight, my remarks are on the cultural power of... of theatre. And the symbolism of certain icons. And the possibility of... Dear Maud, I appeal to you in the name of 14 years of friendship to read this letter. It is perhaps the last thing I shall write to you. I thought over things last night. The thought came to me, you are not writing to her quite fully what you think. It is too late now to think of anything but the truth. If I do not speak, no one will. In one of the diaries in which I have written of our dealing with spiritual things, dated December 12th, 1898, I have dreamt of my friend many times, but only once when her spirit came to me at cool and bent over me did her lips meet mine. I went to see her, and she said, I saw my body from outside it, and I was brought away, and my hand was put in yours, and I was told we were married. Now, I claim that gives me the right to speak. A man said to me last night, having seen the announcement in the papers of your conversion, the priests will triumph over us for generations because of this. You possess your influence in Ireland, very largely because you come to the people from above. You represent a superior class, a class whose people are more independent, have a more beautiful life, a more refined life. Every man, almost, of the people who has spoken to me has shown that you influence him largely because of this. Maud Gone is surrounded by romance. She puts away from her what seems an easy and splendid life, that she may devote herself to the people. I have heard you called Our Great Lady. Now I appeal, I, 
whose hands were placed in yours by eternal hands, to come back to yourself, to take up again the proud, solitary, haughty life which made you seem like one of the golden gods. Do not, you who seem the most strong, the most inspired, be the first to betray us, to betray the truth. Become again one of the gods. Is it the priest, when the day of great hazard has come, who will lead the people? No, no. He will palter with the government as he did at the Act of Union. He will say, Be quiet, be good Christians, do not shed blood. Is it not the priest who has softened the will of our young men, who has broken their pride? You have said all these things, and not so long ago, for it is not only the truth and your friends, but your own soul that you are about to betray. And so, I think every culture can claim these symbols as universal in nature and dramatic in their inherent forms. Thank you. Thank you, Mr. Yates. Wonderful speech. I've no idea what the devil I just said. So you think to travel to Ireland again? It's only for a few weeks. There's an election. What about your children? Eileen is here. You have a new baby. He needs his mother. He needs his father too. What's that supposed to mean? My son has a father. Unlike your bastard daughter. You're drunk. Let's not talk now. We'll talk. When are you ever here to talk? Run into Ireland when I can't go with a warrant on me. You go on purpose to leave me. I have work to do. You could work. What is there for me to do in Paris? This isn't my city. But you run off every chance you get. I know what you do. All the lovers you keep there. Don't be foolish. That's laughable. You laugh at me. I suppose you laugh behind my back. With Yeats scribbling his poetry for you, I won't have it. I have no lovers. No? And he writes volumes of fantasy. You could say that. That's sinful. And you string in on all these men. They all want their hands on you. I won't have you writing them letters and receiving their volumes. I should put a bullet through his head. Stop that. I should have burnt these long ago. Get out. You might as well stay at the tavern and sleep there too. I'll sleep with my wife and teach her her place. You think I'm your second? Your helper? I commanded men. Oh, what would they think of you now? You made me come to this. I've no place here. It's up to you to make your own way. It's up to you to follow me. Not me follow you. A man doesn't follow his wife. Get out. Do as you like. But you won't take my son. 
If you try, it'll be the ruin of you. Until they could see each other, they wrote letters, and Yates' devotion was her great solace. The letters and words melted into something new between them, at last. 1905. You're quite right in saying the verdict of the court in my favour will be the surest way of putting an end to the lies my husband has been telling. I have the best lawyer in Paris to defend me. It is good getting your letters. You always know the right thing to say. 1906. McBride has succeeded in proving Irish nationality and domicile so that only separation and not divorce is granted. 1907. I have had another disappointment. The hearing of my appeal is again delayed. 1908. I had a strong vision this morning. I got to a place of dazzling light where great titan forms of light and immense energy were moving. Then suddenly I saw you and you seemed anxious and troubled about something. I felt all day I ought to write to you. Last night all my household was retired at a quarter to eleven, and I thought I would go to you astrally. I had seen the day before when waking from sleep a curious somewhat Egyptian form floating over me. It had curious wings edged in gold in which it could fold itself up. I had thought it was myself, a body in which I could go out into the astral. At a quarter to eleven last night I put on this body and thought strongly of you and desired to go to you. We went somewhere in space. I don't know where. I was conscious of starlight and of hearing the sea below us. You had taken the form of a serpent. As I looked into your eyes, your lips touched mine. We melted into one another till we formed one being, a being greater than ourselves, who felt all and knew all with double intensity. The clock striking eleven broke the spell and as we Separated, it felt as if life was being drawn away from me through my chest with almost physical pain. Did you return to your trance? I fell asleep and dreamt of you and ordinary life. We were in Italy and happy. I told you of my vision in the dream and you said it would increase physical desire, but it was not that. It was higher than that. It can be both. What I offer is a pure love. Oh, Willie, what will I do? This divorce drags on and on. I was hissed at the theatre last night while a man shouted, Up, McBride! Everyone takes his side, the war hero. And the cowards have thrown me off committees I founded. There's no place for me now. Dearest, there's a place for you. Your vision has shown you. It's time for us. Kiss me. You've always stood by me. I don't deserve your friendship. I thought what we had was pure. It is total love. Say yes. Say yes. Just say yes. Yes. You must strike me if I shriek. We must be quiet. <laughs> Why? The awful English neighbours downstairs. <laughs> they, they complain about my late hours. They complain to the constable, but the constable took my side. So early in the morning, their son would awaken me playing the trumpet. I got the constable to tell them it was against the law to play the trumpet early in the morning here. Uh-huh. So their daughter started a caterwauling on the violin instead. 
damn English. So, at night, I'd wait until 15 minutes after they'd gone to bed and I'd pick up a fire log and drop it on the floor. <laughs> You're a devil. <laughs> the constable spoke to me about it. I said, not to worry. I got a doctor's note explaining that when I'm awakened early in the morning, I become uncontrollably shaky and I'm apt to drop anything in my hand at night. <laughs> oh, that's marvellous. <laughs> so now they're moving out. Good. I've sent a notice to my student friends. They have a trumpet and a violin for sale. They've been inundated with music students looking for a bargain. (laughs) (laughs) I've never seen you so giggly. It's been seven years since I was with a woman. Seven years. So lonely I would walk in the woods and cry out. Is this so important? You did shriek. Don't say that. Don't spoil it. How does that spoil it? Please don't. All right. You're mad, you know. My mad maud gone. And all the music students come in for the trumpet. My mad girl. You did shriek. Don't. I can't bear it. Darling, darling. I won't say it again. But she did. But soon it all disappeared into separation. More letters, more poetry, more words. And the physical love he'd craved floated away like those fire balloons all those years ago. If he should pass her by, mm-mm-mm. if he could pass her by. Dearest, I'm sorry you had to leave Paris so soon. There was so much I wanted to talk about. Life is so good when we are together, and we are together so little. With an indifferent eye, since then I wrote and wrought. Whereon I wrote and wrought. On the night of the 10th to 11th did you try to come and see me. I dreamed of you very vividly. And now, being grey, I dream that I have brought... I boast that I have brought, I dream that I have brought to such a pitch my thought. Dearest, as usual, our letters have crossed. I knew you were feeling sad and lonely, and I was too. It is hard to be so much apart, yet perhaps it is better for both of us until we grow very strong. That at last I can say, that coming time shall say, That coming time can say, I have shadowed in this glass. Yet, Willie, I know we are doing the right thing. The love whose physical realization we deny here will unite us in another life. I have shadowed in a glass that thing her body was. What thing her body was? My hope is that we will both be very strong, so strong that we shall be at peace. The love you have given me is so wonderful, so pure, so unselfish. I want to keep it bright and shining as the fairies give it back to me. I want to reverence our love. Dearest in art, in life, in everything, the easy thing is never the interesting thing. For she had fiery blood when I was young, and trod so sweetly proud as twere upon a cloud. Only those who make an effort to surpass themselves are interesting. If we did the easy thing and yielded to it now, 
Very likely it would part us here and after. That life and letters seem but an heroic dream. Why don't you marry Georgie? Georgie? She's all right. But perhaps Maud will change. As a Catholic, she won't marry you, even if the divorce ever does come through. You need to marry. I don't know. Mabel tried to trick me into marrying her. A woman can be mistaken. A woman should know whether she's pregnant or not. It's complicated. She tried to trick me. Stay away from empty affairs. Mary Georgie. She's young and she worships you. She does seem to be in awe of me. She's young, beautiful in her way. In a strange, barbaric way, yes. You cast horoscopes together, don't you? Cast one that says you were meant for each other. Tailor your prophecy to the times. I heard from Maud this morning. Wearing herself out as usual. I thought we were discussing Georgie. You mentioned prophecy. Maud has had a dream. She had a vision of Dublin, the city on fire with bodies lying about McConnell Bridge. The war is far from Dublin. She hasn't been able to shake it. I wouldn't be concerned about a nightmare. It was a vision. It was probably from her own turmoil. Turmoil, yes. She does have strange visions, doesn't she? Didn't she used to hallucinate some woman in grey? If people knew the things I knew about her, she'd be locked up. But now she's running herself ragged, nursing the wounded. It's only natural she'd be having nightmares. She says she can hear the shelling at night. I wish I could take her home. You need to make a home of your own. You're 50 years old. She'll never be free. She's trapped herself in that bloody marriage. Then don't you be trapped with her. Sean, please come here. There's something I must tell you. It's about your father. At your school, they read the names of fathers who have been killed in the war. Tomorrow, they'll read your father's name. He's been killed. Not in the Great War, you see, but... Ireland has been waiting and fighting for independence for 300 years. And this past Easter, some of our friends decided we could wait no longer. So they rose up and took control of the post office and some other buildings. They issued a proclamation and raised our green flag, but the people didn't join them. Your father and the others fought for a week, but the English shelled Dublin. And our people didn't rise up. The leaders were arrested and found guilty of treason. Your father was very brave in the end. He said to the priest, I don't need a blindfold. I faced down English guns before. He's a hero now. No matter what happened in the past, your father is a hero and you must never forget. My son has a name now. A name to be proud of at last. Perhaps I can keep him from following in his father's footsteps. He's already asked for a gun. Maud, he's a boy. He's the man of the family now. I can be the man of the family. You need a man. 
real man. A stable man. I need to go home. I'll take you home someday. Soon. It won't be long. I have failed. I must admit defeat. And I will live in England and paint watercolors. And I will disappear. A muse of a great poet. Not a soldier's widow. They won't have me. Don't you understand? I offer your freedom. The freedom I asked the devil for? The freedom of the gulls? It's your idea of freedom. But I will take it. No one else will have me now. When I tried to divorce McBride, they threw me out. I feel like a swallow who's lost her flock. Are you only at peace when you're at war? I've never liked to analyze myself. Only act. All I've ever wanted was to bring you peace. I'll never forget what you said when George died. I wanted you to rest. That you were proud of me. Joan of Arc, Helen of Troy. It's all over now. I'll dab at watercolors, attend a book club, stiff with lace and ruffles, hardly able to move, hardly able to breathe. You were my muse. A marble statue. At last, I will be still, frozen in time. Like a golden bee in amber. I'll be a statue for you to love. Maud. No. There is a role for you. There is a place for you. Serving tea and biscuits. You're the widow of Ireland's great hero. That is a role to take. You have a place. You're Maud Gone McBride. They will have you back now. Playing that part with open arms. There is a place for me. Willie, there's so much we must do. I feel as if my foot has touched the ground and three hundred years have come upon me. I must make a list of the letters to write and the papers and the, the petition for my passport. So much to plan. That's the woman I love, Joan of Arc. Helen of Troy. I want you to congratulate me, Maud. I'm getting married to a young woman named Georgie. She's beautiful in a barbaric kind of way. I'm going to ask her. I will be married. You should marry. It's the right thing to do. So he is reborn. You are reborn. What am I left with? Your beautiful words. Your books. That's all I have to offer my ancestors. That I had books instead of children. Your poems were our children. Odd. All that I ever wrote. I only wrote to make myself plain to you. None of it was wasted. Sometimes I feel I'm only a beautiful statue to you. Do you see me? You're tired. You can rest, and we will have peace at last. It's late. We should go. They'll be worried. The moon is rising over the channel. How beautiful it is. That's west. The moon is setting, Willie. So it is. See our heavenly shadows in the moonlight.
This has been Poet and Warrior, written by Amy Kreider, starring Jeff Breitman as William Butler Yeats, Lindsay Summers as Maud Gunn, Baird Brucher as Dr. Sigerson, Aaron Caswell as Lady Gregory and Madame Blavatsky, and Pete Blatchford as Lucienne Mauvoy and John McBride. Recorded at Mystery Street Recording Company in Chicago, Illinois. For more episodes, please visit continuousdream.com. Thank you for listening. <laughs>